Thank you, Mia. I think that's the nicest thing like anyone's ever said about me. That's uh, <laughs> thank you. It's been a great week. Uh, we got to go and, and be at Salt Fork with uh, uh, the well, and that's cool. And the, the name of the adult Sunday school class that I teach uh, at Midtown is the Living Well. So, like, we have like some commonalities there, getting started. But, but it was great. I, we got to be a part, and I say we. I'll explain that in a minute. But. But to be a part of a group who just said, look, I'm going to separate out this time that, that I could spend doing anything. I'm going to separate out this time, and, and I'm going to pay, pay money, give the resources that I have, and the energy that God's given me. I just want to get away together with, with some other like-minded people and just spend time to be about my father's business and just get away together and to get in the Word together. And then it's not a retreat because we're advancing, and I'm just like, where else would I want to be? That's like, that's fantastic, and so it's blessing for us to be able to, to be a part of that, but, I've, but it's also cool for me, just personally, and this will kind of fit into the message, and it'll make sense in a little bit, but for me personally, I flew into Akron, and then my friend from junior high school, we've been friends for 30-some years, uh, picked me up at the, at the airport, and drove me down here, and he's just been like, we, we've been able to hang out and just spend time together, and uh, he's been kind of a handy guy to have around. It's been, I'm not that needy, but I'm a little needy. <clears throat> I was talking to my wife, and um, I had her on speakerphone, and uh, she said, well, how's it going? I said, it's fine. Kevin and I are getting to hang out. In fact, he's right here on speakerphone, which you always say, right, when you're talking to your spouse. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, someone else is in the room. Uh, and she said, oh, Kevin, thank you so much. You know, I had to stay home with the stuff. I couldn't go with Chris, and just thank you for being there to take care of him. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, that make, you just make me sound needy and helpless, and um, so we hung up, and I said, that's just ridiculous, Kevin. I mean, <laughs> by the way, where are my keys? Like, <laughs> do you have a room key? I can't find my wallet. <laughs> and then this morning, I can't get the PowerPoint to work. I'm like, Kevin, can you, like, so, so I am a little bit needy. It's, it's been good, but we've been able to connect. So here's the secret to our friendship. We started being friends in sixth grade, and now we're, we're, we're getting up there, Here's the secret to our friendship. We started being friends, and then we never quit. <laughs> I mean, like, like that's the secret. And, and we had a reason at one point or, or, or something. Like, we could have quit being friends because we moved, like, and it was just, we never quit being friends, and so we're still friends. So that's the secret. That's the secret to to long friendships. It's just don't ever quit being friends, even if you, you maybe there's a reason that would make sense that, that you would quit that. Um, it's, it's really good. I, I know some of you folks from LFBI a little bit, and it's like we kind of know each other, and it's been good to, to, to make that official. It's been good to get to know the folks from the, the well. It's good to see Halsey again. Where's Halsey? Halsey, it's good to see you again. Uh, to see you playing piano. So Halsey taught my kids piano lessons um, when they were little. And so just so you know, Jesse, my freshman in high school, one of the twins, 
is leading praise and worship this morning in Midtown because the junior high and high school praise band is leading praise and worship. So I, I come here and I see you and you're still playing. The, it, it's just, that's awesome. You know, and you know what I feel when I see that is I feel thankful. Um, t- turn with me to, to, sec- to Second Thessalonians. <clears throat> turn to Second Thessalonians with me and, and, then, and then let's pray and just ask God to, to show us some stuff out of his word, right? Father, we love you. We come before you in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for this group that's here. And I thank you for the, the time that we got to spend together, getting away together in your word together already. But Lord, for us gathered here now, just Father, we're gathered in Jesus' name. And Lord, we are the assembly who have come together, Lord, to meet with you this morning. And so we ask you, Father, would you by your spirit God, open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of thy law. I pray that, Lord, Lord, that you would bless us this morning with what we need to hear. We love you, Lord. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we read, uh, I'm going to read the first three verses, so read along with me. Uh, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is me, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. And this is the first blank in, in your handout is, 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 is influence. The verse reads, Paul was bound to give thanks. And, and, and I believe that the words of God are very specific and that they're in there for a reason. And, and so when I read, like I, I, was, I was teaching and, and overviewing 2 Thessalonians and I didn't get very far. Because when I got to verse 3, I just got stuck. Why was Paul bound? Why was he obligated to give thanks to God when he saw something that someone else was doing? Okay, so, so I look at you, and then something comes into my mind, and then that thing that comes into my mind is I automatically have to go to my Father. The way you live your life directs me to go to God, and then it's like, God, thank you so much for what you're doing there. That, that's what Paul is saying. He looked at the Thessalonian church, and he's like, man, I look at you guys, and I see how you're living, and that just makes me, I'm obligated, I am bound by what I'm seeing in your life, to now go to my father and just give him thanks for what I'm seeing. And this is, this is the first point, is that the way we live our lives can be such that we can be an influence to help direct others to God. Okay, and that, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And since God has kind of opened my eyes to this, man, I just see people differently. I see God's people differently. So as we study through these few verses, let's let's think about that, about how how our lives can affect others. Romans chapter 1, verse 12 tells us that 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 is Paul, Paul speaking. He says, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And see, so I kind of know what you struggle with, and I kind of know what you deal with, and I kind of know your heart, and I kind of know your mind, because it's, it's the, same, the same thing. I told the pastoral staff last week, I'll be, I'll be here this week, and, 
and Pastor Kenny Morgan. Some of you know Kenny Morgan. And, and if you know Kenny, you love him, even though he's a Michigan fan. Kenny Morgan, this is what Kenny said. He said, when you walk in that church, you're going to be, you're just going to be walking like you're walking into this church. Because you guys are so like-minded with we are, and we have a mutual faith. See, so when I see you, and I see you live your life, and I see you do the things that Paul's talking about in this, in this chapter, man, I get it. I see you. I, I see what you're going through. I understand. I know where you're at. And we have that mutual faith. And because we have a mutual faith, the way you live your life matters to me because, because it's a mutual thing. Um, so it really has been good to get to know some people. And everybody's so friendly. And I see you and I shake your hands. And some of you I know better than others. Um, I wish you could get to know some of the people at Midtown. If, if you can, please come to Mission Focus. Make that a priority, and, and everyone ought to go at least once, right? It's kind of like a missions trip. You ought, you ought to go on a missions trip at least once. You ought to, you ought, I just encourage you to come to Midtown, and, and, and there's people there that influence me, like I've been talking about, the areas of ministry that I have oversight over. That's, there's the new members class. There's a guy named Scott, and if you, Scott and Marla, are, are they, they work on that team for the new members class, and if you met them, you'd feel like you know them. They're just serving God. They just love you. They'll, they'll come in. They'll shake your hand. They'll ask you how you're doing. They'll show you where the coffee is, and, and they'll help you out in any way they can. Mike is over our connections ministry. You'd love Mike and Meredith. They, they, from the transportation to security, we're kind of a rough place. We have a security ministry, and ushering and the cat like, like mike just runs all that stuff he's just serving god faithfully in that i'm over the children's ministry but but i really don't have to do anything anymore because we've trained up gordon and gordon and mandy run the children's ministry man if you met gordon you would just shake his hands you would re recognize that he's a brother in christ the sunday school class that i teach is, is being taught by another man by Joel, who's also on the praise team, just a faithful brother who just shows up week after week, and he's just serving God, just like you do. You would feel like you're at home. We've got a picture of, the, of a 5K race we did last week. This is me and my pregnant daughter. She's in her third trimester, and we're finishing at the same time. <laughs> and I'm all sweaty, and she's not. Look at that. But this is a 5K race that Gordon and Mandy, the, the ones that run our children's ministry, they organize and coordinate and run this, the, this administrate. They, they run the 5K race that raises money for the Hope Family Orphanage in Nepal. You guys, I don't know if you're familiar with that work or not, but here's these kids that have been rescued from the jungle after they were abandoned, and they're, they're full of like parasites and, and disease, and, and if they don't get rescued somehow, they all die. So a lot of, so a lot of these kids have been adopted in, by a pastor, and then they, they have the kids upstairs in the church downstairs or something like that. But this, this 5K race raises money for that orphanage, and all these orphans are being trained up. They all want to be pastors and missionaries, because they want to be a part of rescuing orphans like they were rescued. Is that, is that not 
like us. Like, I, I want to be a part of reconciliation because I was reconciled. Anyway, so, 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 so you would love some of the people at our church, just like I love the people at your church, even though I don't know you really, we, we do have a mutual faith. Verse 4 says, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God. Okay, you know what that means? It means Paul's bragging on them. Like, hey, I'm glorying. I, I'm t- so just like I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you about the people that, that influence me, um, man, I, I can brag on those people a little bit. This is what Paul is saying in this verse. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. What goes in the second blank is an inspiration. Paul is like, hey, you guys have to check out this church in Thessalonica because, because let me just brag on them for a little bit because here's what's going on. He, he says... They're patient, and they're faithful, and enduring in the tribulations that they have. Now, just just for the record, Paul is not glorying, he's not bragging about the fact that they have tribulation, okay? Having tribulation, so, so, so it's not for the tribulation that they encountered, but it's for the tribulation that they endured. Everybody has tribulation. Having tribulation is common. Enduring tribulation while growing in faith and charity is not. So, so I told you about Scott who runs the new members class. He, he influences me, but he also inspires me because now that Scott's cancer is in remission, he and Marla are selling their house and moving to a different house so that he can cut back at work and go part-time and dedicate more hours to the ministry. See, see, if you just came to Midtown, though, and you just met Scott at Mission Focus and you shook his hand and he shows you where the coffee is or helps you in whatever area of ministry that he's over, you wouldn't get the backstory. Just like I don't, I don't have the details of, of all your backstory. Mike, who runs half the ministries at the church with the Connections Ministry, he also runs an adult Sunday school class. He's a lawyer, and his law firm is, the, 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 his lawyer word is, we're in dissolution. Okay, so his company's breaking up. He has to start over. And he's got a wife and his kids, and he's running half the ministry of the church, and he's teaching every single week and I look at that and I just want to brag on Mike a little bit you guys that's awesome he's not quitting he's just continuing even though it seems like everything's falling apart he's got a mission that he cannot fail in because the glory of God and worldwide evangelism and the edification of the body is at stake so he's just hanging in there oh brag on that Gordon, who runs our children's ministry, he and Mandy run our children's ministry and and the Hope Orphanage 5K. Every year, thousands of dollars are being raised and sent. That's fruit to our account for the mission over there. But see, it wasn't that long ago that they buried their two-year-old. 
oh my goodness. And now they're running the children's ministry and raising money for orphans. Oh my goodness. See, the back story that, that most people don't see, um, you have a backstory too, and, and here you are. So I come in here, and I just see Halsey still faithfully playing the piano. Man, and, and, and my eyes have been opened to how awesome that is. Because, see, she never quit just trusting God and serving God, even when there's a reason not to. Joel, who's teaching in, in the Sunday school class this morning, not his first church plant. That one in Canada, it, it kind of flopped, I, you know. Don't know the details, but I know to get back up and try again is, is rough. I know part of that was losing the baby. Now he's on the praise team every week, teaching Sunday school. He's teaching Philemon this morning. So enduring tribulation, there, there's a, it requires patience and faith, we see in that verse. It also implies that we keep doing what, they're do, what we're doing. That's why I mentioned this. There's an implication there. Look, if I endure, it means that I do not quit. I don't quit what? Well, I don't quit doing what I'm doing. I don't quit service to the Lord. I'm going to, in faith, and I'm going to, with patience, just continue to do that. Okay, guys, that's the goal. That's it. And so when I come and I just see you here, man, I'm so thankful for you. And it's not only that, that it makes me thank God, but I'm also just inspired by that because it's an indication of something let's read on first thessalonians 1 or second thessalonians 1 verse 5 so the patient enduring of of the tribulation okay it's a manifest token verse 5 of the righteous just judgment of god that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of god for which also ye suffer so let's just look at that first part of that the manifest token so that, that the, the Greek word there is like to indicate something, okay? It's the only time it's found in Scripture. You can't really just compare Scripture to Scripture, but it's pretty clear what that means. It's a, it's a manifestation. It's an indication of something. And here's what Paul is saying. Your faithfulness, your en- enduring, what you're going through, indicates something, it makes something clear that might not otherwise be known. It's an indication of the righteous judgment of God. Okay, so, so what's that mean? What's that mean? What's that talking about? The faith of God's people was evidence of things not seen. Does that sound familiar? In Hebrews 11, chapter 1, you guys know that verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so this is one of those examples where our faithfulness and enduring tribulation evidences something which is otherwise unseen. Our patient enduring of tribulation is a manifestation that we really believe. See, see here's how it works. When someone has a reason to quit, and from a humanistic, rational, just logical standpoint, everything (laughs) says, man, that person should quit. Okay, 
and then you don't quit, when you have a reason to quit, that doesn't even make sense to people. They're like, how come that person hasn't quit yet? If that were me, I would have quit a long time ago. If it were me, I would have quit praising God when, when, when my dad had that thing happen. If it were me, I wouldn't have just continued to serve God faithfully when the cancer... See, see, this is what lost people think like. This is what humanistic people think. This is the carnal mindset, which says, hey, I've got a good reason to quit, so let's see what should I... Oh, I know, I'll quit. I've got a good reason for stopping that ministry service in my local church, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop serving. When you don't stop, even though you have a reason to, okay, and I don't know all your backstories, but I know this, that everyone that serves God is going to suffer persecution. I know this. We talked about the, the advance, and how do we advance in our faith? And I'll tell you how you don't advance. You don't advance easily. You don't advance with opposition. So everything we do as the people of God, serving God through the ministries of this church, through, through Bible study, through prayer, through discipleship, it doesn't come easy. And the fact that you are here this morning, I'm just like, thank you, God, for FBC. Thank you that there are some people who are still willing to show up and be about our Father's business. I love that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it's like changed the way I see the church. It's fantastic. Okay. This is why you watch all those Rocky movies, by the way. Because here's Rocky Balboa. And he's like, he's got some significant, let's see, how should we say it? He has some significant personal inadequacies. Okay, Rocky, he doesn't have everything going for him. And then he's got all these personal problems that he has to deal with, and then he's going to just fight anyway, right? Because that's, that's what he's called to do. That's how he's waiting. So he just does that anyway, and then we watch for 12 rounds, we just watch Rocky take shots, like, whoo, whoo. And no matter who he's fighting, Rocky, it seems like he's always outclassed. It, it seems like Rocky's always outmatched. And he just gets beat up round after round. So, like, for tw you watch that for 12 whole rounds. Times, times how many movies? Like, how many, six movies now? I don't even, I lost count. Because Rocky V was so bad, I kind of... I kind of don't count that one, and it messes me up. And so, but anyway, look, we'll watch Rocky get beat up. Do you know why? It's because the fact that he doesn't quit. We, we were watching the, the mixed martial arts stuff, and Jeff was saying, there's got to be a better way to make a living. Like, <laughs> And then the, the one guy, um, Romeo, Roly, uh, there's one guy, and I was just like, I wouldn't step in the room, ring with that guy ever. Like, like, he's just scary to look at. Like, it'd be scary just to be in the room with a the, with the guy because, you know, he could kill you. But these guys will go in and they'll just continue. They'll take a beating round after round. And we watch that. And by the end of the, the, by the, end of the fight, okay, because you've watched it like eight times, like, you know, in the end of the fight, Rocky's going to win. 
And the fact that he's bruised and bloodied, you know, everything's all busted up. It's like, cut me, you know. And you, but the fact that he lost his trainer right before the match or whatever, it just makes the story that much better because he believed and he didn't quit. And so his bruises and the black eyes, it, it, it's actually more glorious than if he just would have stepped out there and just would have won easily. You know what I'm talking about? Man, he believed and he didn't quit. And those, the, the bruises and the scars, they just manifest that he really believed in what he was doing. Man, we need to be people who don't know how to quit. Okay. So, not only can the way we live our lives be an influence and an inspiration to others and can be an indication that we really believe, it can also be an investment. Investment is what goes in the next blank. And so while I can indicate now that I believe, in the future, actually, is when this thing will truly pay off for us. If you were at the first session over at the new building this morning, uh, Tom Steele just laid out an, an eschatological overview as part of the systematic survey. And if you weren't here, if you weren't there, you missed it. You're like, well, yeah, we weren't there, so we missed it. I'm saying, no, you missed it. Like, man, if you weren't there, you missed something worth being there for. I'll just, I mean, I don't even have any... <laughs> reason to say this, but you ought to go to that if, if you're not somewhere else. Like, like, his conclusion of having a proper eschatology was that be comforted. Be, be, comf be comforted. God's wrath is not for his church. Christ is coming back. But also, we ought to be getting to work. Because Christ is coming back. And just like the church age had a beginning, the church age will have an end. It's the harvest time now. The harvest will be over soon. And then we're going to stand before him. And it's like, were we laborers in the harvest? That sort of a thing. And so, um, he kind of already preached my message. and, and um, So, yeah, th that's going to be kind of our conclusion. So, uh, Okay, but the esch this, this book, the reason I mention this is because 2 Thessalonians is kind of, if I could just overview the book real quickly. First Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 goes like this. I know you're having troubles, but listen, your faith in those troubles is awesome. Don't worry, you have not missed the rapture. So you, yes, you're having tribulation, but it's not the great tribulation. Okay, this, this is what what Paul is saying, and, and you can be comforted, continue, kind of hang in there, keep working. And then, and then chapter 2 is like this, this outline of here, here's proof that you didn't miss the rapture, because here's some things that have to happen in this order. Those things haven't happened yet, so you haven't missed the rapture, so kind of be at peace. And then, the, and then chapter 3, Paul kind of wraps things up. There's a some kind of a summary verse of all that in, in second. Uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, let me find that, verse 5. So here's, here's Paul's prayer. He says, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. That's the charitable service that, that we have for each other in the church. 
and into the patient waiting for Christ. And so we are to be working and waiting for the return of Christ. It's kind of the summary of the book. And then, Paul, there's like this little weird addendum. And I say weird like I'm a critic of God's word, but, but it's just like this little extra part, which I'm saying I don't, I'm not being that. So, so there's this extra little addendum onto the end of this thing after this summary verse that Paul says, oh, by the way, I want you to establish something in your churches. I want you to establish this thing. Remember when I was there and I was working as, as bivocationally, as, and so I didn't ask you guys to provide for me, and I just worked and I bought my own bread. Let every man eat his own bread. Paul says, this is what I want you to establish. I want you to establish that if someone doesn't work, then they don't eat. Okay? Establish that as a principle in your church. So, that's just weird. Hey, I know you guys are having tribulation, but it's okay, you didn't miss a tribulation. Here's why. Work and wait for the return of Christ. Woo! And then it's like, oh, by the way, establish this in your church. If you don't work, you don't eat. Okay? That's an overview of the book of 2 Thessalonians. Obviously, there, there's more to it than that. But in terms of the eschatological timeline, the end times events and what order they happen, we have the first coming of Christ. We have the church age. The church age will end, okay? When the church age ends, and the people who aren't dead yet, we, we have to do something, and so that's what the rapture is. It's what happens to those of us who are alive at the end of the church age. And then we have the tribulation on earth. Now, at, during the same time, I, I, I believe that, that what happens is the saints who are raptured out, like we, we then have the judgment seat of Christ where we will be judged not for our sins, which are covered at Calvary, but for our service. And then after that, there's this thing called the marriage feast of the Lamb. And if you study like ancient Jewish wedding rites, you can see how it kind of lines up with that. And we won't do that this morning, but it's kind of a neat study that, that we'll see it kind of follows that pattern. So for us who are raptured out, it's like marriage time, feast time. Now, now you've got to go to the judgment seat first. You've got to go to the judgment seat first. But after that, it's like this, this feast where we get together to be with the Lord. Meanwhile, on earth, all hell breaks loose. And, and Paul tells the church at the Thessalonians, look, those people that have been troubling you, God's going to trouble them. The church is taking body shots. We're the body of Christ. We're getting beat up. There's tribulation. But, but, but Christ is coming back, and when, when he does, he's going to deal with all that. But he's not there to punish us. The wrath of God is not for us. That's for the people that we've been fighting against. Those are the people that have been giving us trouble. God's going to trouble them, but for us, it's a place of rest. And so let's read about that. So let's read uh, verses uh, 5 through 7 here. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which also ye suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Okay, there it is. God's going to recompense tribulation upon them that trouble you, church. God's not coming to punish you. God's coming to, to take you home. The people, the, 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 the enemy, okay, we, we look at it in terms of spiritual enemy because we don't battle with flesh and blood, but there's 
God's wrath is going to be poured out there. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And so I want to just look real quick here. It, it says that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which also ye suffer. And so listen, you're suffering... It's actually something that in future times when you stand before God will be given worth. There will be value attributed to it. It says that ye may be counted worthy. There's an accounting coming. It's an accounting of the worth in terms of our service and in terms of our faithful endurance, continuation of serving God, even though we're being met with persecution even though it's hard even though you have a reason to quit and you don't see god sees that so what's that look like we know romans 8 17 and 18 and if we're and if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if so be that we suffer with him that we also may be glorified together for i reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So what's that look like at the judgment seat? Let's just review, review a few things here. The first blank on your handout in this section is scars. John chapter 20, verse 27. It's up on the screen. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Wait, the, li the lion on the throne? The, the lion of God who has all power? and all Is that what we see? No, we see Jesus Christ as the lamb as it had been slain. See, Jesus, even on the throne... He still maintains the marks of the sacrifices that he made. And, and as up on the throne, when I look up and I see the lamb that was slain, it's like that lamb was slain for me. Oh, is that not worthy of glory and honor and praise to see him and the sacrifices there? He carries those things even into uh, eternity future here. Okay, then, then we see... Next, Galatians, I, I believe. Galatians um, 6.17. Here's what Paul says. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What's that about? Let no man trouble me. I bear the, in my body the marks. Here's what Paul's saying. And, and Paul, at different times in his ministry, had to. he was kind of forced to give a commendation of himself as, as he was being attacked by different groups. But, but here's what he said. Here's my validation. Stripes, imprisonments, chains, my scars, my thorn in the flesh, which was a, a messenger of Satan, but it didn't keep me from making disciples, right? Paul says, here's my validation. Here's my scars. Where's your validation? Let's talk about that. Let no man bother me. I'm not interested in comparing myself amongst ourselves, but I do have scars. John chapter 20, verse 27. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. What was Jesus' manifested token of his, of his authenticity? It was his scars. 
I, I don't want to show up at the judgment seat of Christ with zero scars. Next is our tears. Tears is what goes in the blank. Psalm 56, 8. Thou tellest my wonderings. Put thou my tears into a bottle. Are they not in thy book? My tears in a bottle. You, you mean those times where I'm just struggling and I'm wrestling with God and I'm praying for, for that disciple who's fallen away and I'm just trying, but, but I'm meeting and it's tribulation and it's hard and those tears and those times of weeping, God's like, yeah, I got that in a bottle. I'm paying attention and someday that'll be revealed. I see that. And so now your endurance and faithful perseverance and the fact that you didn't quit, that's a manifestation, an indication that you believe now. But it will be glory later. I don't want to show up at the judgment seat of Christ and have an empty tear bottle because I spent my life living for myself and not just been out of shape because I'm not okay with my neighbors and family and friends going to hell. I'm not okay with my disciple. So, see, if we don't have any tears in our bottle, then where is your validation that you actually wept for the things? You're supposed to weep with those that re weep, rejoice with those that rejoice. We're supposed to be about our Father's business, and if I show up and there's, there's like an empty tear bottle, it's like, oh, man. Prayers. Revelation, it, prayers is what's next. Prayers. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Okay, so there's a prayer vial that's got this church's name on it, that's got your name on it. And so that, look at it, it's poured out on the altar as an offering. Oh God, I don't want to empty, I don't want to show up. Like I'll probably be behind you guys or something, like just like a bad spot. It's like this giant vial being poured out, and it's like everyone's like, praise the Lord, and another, and then like, I'll have like this little, like, not. That would be suffering loss, wouldn't it? Be suffered lost opportunity to pray now. And that's not only to accomplish the mission, but it's like, it's like an investment into my ability to give him the glory that he deserves. Poverty. Poverty is what goes in the next blank. Second Corinthians ver uh, chapter 8, verse 9 tells us that for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, lo that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty 
might be rich. That's what Christ did for us. And then in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, we see that God's got his eye on that. It's to the church. And it says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, parentheses, but thou art rich. You're poor, oh, but you're rich. See what this is. See, you're, see like, like Christ became poor for our sakes that we through his poverty might be rich. And then now we, what are we going to do with that? See, if I'm going to lay down my life to riches and fame and all that stuff, and I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to give to the mission, my poverty, Jesus says, I'm rich. Not just because I'm bought in, but because in the book of Revelation, we see that God is keeping track. There's a poem Normally I don't, I don't like to read poems from the pulpit because it just seems wrong. But, but man, it's so pertinent, so just show me your grace. But, but let's read this, this, this thing together. It's from a missionary in India and um, um, by Amy Carmichael. Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound, yet I was wounded by the archers, spent. Leaned me against the tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar? Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me, but thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound, no scar? See, she took a fall as a missionary in India. And she couldn't get out of her house anymore. And, and so she continued through writing, through discipleship, to be part of the mission there. She, got, she understood tribulation. She understood the backstories that we all have and then not quitting. So, so to, to, to everybody here who, like, you're laboring, you're bought in, you have found a way to make disciples through ministry and service to this church. I, I would call you the laborers. To the laborers, I would just say this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. My beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I just thank God for you. And you influence me to thank God. You inspire me. I can't wait to stand with you at the judgment seat of Christ and just say, man, I know that guy. I know that lady. Your labor is not in the vein, so I know you have a reason to quit. Man, don't. I'm not glad that, that you're having tribulation, but your faithful and patient endurance in that tribulation is what it's all about. Okay, to the rest of us, the people that aren't laboring, somehow you missed that. I would say this, having nothing of worth at the judgment seat of Christ would be a great loss. 1 Corinthians 3.15 
we, we see that if any man's work shall be burned, so that's the whole wood, stay, wood, hay, stubble, all that, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And the last thing that I would ever want for you is, is to suffer loss at, at the judgment seat. And I, and I just, I don't want you to miss the pattern that we see in this eschatologically focused book that says if you don't work, you don't eat. Because right after the, the rapture, we're going to be judged for our works, and what follows is a feast. And I'm not teaching from a doctrinal standpoint that if you fail the judgment seat, you're not invited to the marriage feast. But I am saying this. There's a pattern so clear even I saw it, okay? Work now. Let's feast then. Okay, so I talked about Rocky Balboa. One more thing. Another sports analogy. Jeffrey Julmus, 2016 Rio Olympics. He's a sprinter, cocky guy. Super, I mean, he's in the Olympics. He's, he, he can back it up. But he's looking at the camera and he's pointing at his watch like, I'm going to win this, you know. He lines up. First hurdle, he, he, he stumbles on the first hurdle, does like a somersault, falls all over the place. <laughs> it's like 110 hurdles. It's over, right? If you can't do that in 13 seconds. You he got up and he finished the race. Mo Farah, 10,000-meter long-distance runner in the, in the Rio Olympics. At 6,000 meters, he gets knocked over and falls down. Okay, greatest story ever. He makes a decision. He gets back up, and he finishes the race, and he wins. Oh, that story is so much better. Listen to me, some of you. That story is so much better than if he wouldn't have fallen down in the first place. So I'm not glad he fell down. I'm not glad he got tripped up. I'm not glad that, that at some point he messed up or something bad happened to him. But our race isn't over, and so maybe at some point you're like, you know what, I think I missed this whole thing, and I'm not really involved. I kind of got some scars, and it caused me to quit. I'm not in ministry like I need to. I'm not involved like I need to. I'm not giving like I need to. See, I was kind of afraid of that poverty, so I'm not buying the field. Buying the field costs you poverty and scars, tears, and prayers, but this is some of you get back up because it's even a better story if you can finish strong. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll uh, get back into praising God. Father,